You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome into another Three Maw bonus pod edition. I'm Cole Manbeck, joined as always by former Kansas State wide receiver and partner at Wildcat NIL, Curry Sexton. Unfortunately, we are here today to dissect uh, an op- a loss in Stillwater where Kansas State fell 29-21 to and a real disheartening game that uh, I don't think any of us really saw coming. But before we dive in and get into the details of that game, Curry, I, I do want to remind our listeners, so we got a big golf tournament coming up at Colbert Hills October 19th to support the men's basketball team through an NIL event. We've talked about it on here numerous times, but the deadline to enter is approaching quickly, and with the tournament coming up the following week, if anybody is looking to join in last-minute plans and wants to have one heck of a time at Colbert Hills and hang out with the men's basketball team, Hang out with a DJ on the course, playing music, walk-up songs, drinks, everything you could want, auctions, etc. cetera. Uh, one heck of an event going on on October 19th. Get a jump start on a football weekend on October 21st against TCU. Get out to Manhattan a couple days early. So Curry maybe just uh, hit on how things are going with that and uh, how folks find out more information if they want to make some last-minute plans here and enter a team. Yeah, of course. Uh, so yeah, obviously it's it's about 10 days away now, or it is 10 days away now. Um, we're we're going to have a, it's going to be a heck of an event. And, and uh, you know, really for, for having about six weeks of lead time from when Coach Tang and his staff asked us to put this together um, until now, we, 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 it, it's gone a lot better than I thought it would. Um, we've, we've got a lot of really fun stuff in place. We've got about 20 teams signed up. So it's going to be a great turnout, uh, great support for the men's basketball team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like like we've talked about before, it's going to be a fun day. I mean, we're going to have obviously the, the men's basketball team and Coach Tang are going to be out there. We're going to have the band out there at some point. Willie's going to be out there. I think the cheer squad is coming out. Uh, we're going to have a DJ on the course. Uh, you know, the golf is going to be fun as always at Colbert Hills, and then we're going to follow that with some with a cocktail hour, heavy hors d'oeuvres, and a live auction. It will include some really cool. Uh, experience type items, some exclusive experience items that you may not see anywhere else. And so uh, between the golf and the auction, this is going to be a, a, a one-of-a-kind event. Um, and if you have an interest in coming out next Thursday, feel free to, to hop on our website um, and reach out via our, our online submission link or email me at curry, C-U-R-R-Y, at catsnil.com. And I'm just checking the extended forecast, Curry, 67 for a high, partly sunny. It does not get better than that to be out on a golf it's course a and, uh, and hanging out in a beautiful Manhattan and getting a start uh, in the college town. That that sounds like one fun day. I'm hoping to be out there as well as we've talked about before. We're actually, look, I'm starting to get the itch for K-State basketball too. So it's right around that time, only that the season will only be a couple weeks away. Crazy to think about when we get to that golf tournament on October 19th. My wife and I are uh, planning the trip to Vegas for the USC game to open the season now, and uh, we're under 30 days to K-State basketball kicking off the season. Cannot wait for that to watch these guys play hoops again. So get out there, get over to catsnil.com and find out more information if you are inclined to put together a team here at the last minute because you'll have one heck of a time 
and you'll be supporting the K-State men's basketball team. So looking forward to watching those guys. And now on a sadder topic, Curry, uh, we'll transition to talking about what transpired on Friday night in Stillwater as Kansas State falls 29-21. to Curry, I'm curious, just when I watched the first series of the game, K-State took the ball and they go three and out and they did nothing. Like they, they just looked lethargic. Could you tell at that time like they were going to be in trouble? for that game just from watching those three plays. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know that I thought we were going to be in trouble, but it, it, that, that, you know, that hopeless feeling started sneaking in a little bit or started setting in a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously we've taken the ball first and, and, or, or excuse me, I think in, in the prior four games, we'd scored on our first possession in every game. And so we've kind of grown accustomed to that first series that, you know, that, that first 10, 15 play script, just being spot on. And this team executing it to perfection and going down and putting points on the board right away. And so for us to come out and go three and out, I think absolutely. Um, the team looked, I don't know if lifeless is the right term, but the team looked, um, you know, they, they looked different than what, we've, than what we've seen in the first four games. And so certainly I think from the jump, I, I did not have a good feeling about how that game was going to turn out. I was going to say, did, did you think they looked flat? early on in that yeah. game, really for the most of the night. To me, it looked just, I don't know, it just did not feel the energy from them. Yeah, I mean, it, it yeah, flat's a great way to put it. Um, you know, the, the 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 energy levels we're accustomed to seeing from this team and the way that they play, you know, the passion that they play with, the way they fly around on defense, um, all of that is just, it, it just wasn't there on Friday. And I think w- when it fi- when we finally did start to see that, at times in the you know in parts of the first half and then you know more more in the second half it was just too little too late and we might get into the defense curry a little bit but at the end of the day i think the offense is obviously the big storyline here i mean if the the defense holds oklahoma state to essentially really 19 points on 11 drives there was the pick six where they got seven points from that there was the turnover on downs inside their own 25 so that was a, a gimme field goal for Oklahoma State there so you're really talking about 10 points being gifted by the offense to Oklahoma State and really 19 points technically allowed on 11 drives and we didn't think Oklahoma State's offense was anything to write home about but I think we all thought, you know, you hold them to 17 points or so. That That's an effective performance, especially when you lose Will Lee early on in that game and you're already down Jacob Parrish, as we had found out uh, midweek last week that he was going to be unavailable for the game and other starting corners. So you're down to your starting corners. Only disappointment to me was K-State couldn't generate any sort of pass rush or get after the quarterback. And I think they only had one QB pressure on 35 drop back attempts in that game against an Allen Bowman-led quarterback, you know, that's not a mobile guy. So maybe we'll talk about the defense a little bit, but I think we want to really shift gears and focus on the offense. And obviously, Curry, just a really frustrating day all around. I I don't want to pinpoint it on one single guy. I think there were issues all across the board, but what did you maybe see as some of the most glaring issues with the offensive side of the football? Yeah, I think the issues that we spotted or, or, or highlighted from the first four games, you know, they, they all were present on Friday night. Uh, we've talked about how the offensive line has struggled to to get on and maintain blocks and to get to the seventh, second level and make blocks. And that was the case throughout on, on Friday night. Uh, we've talked about how our receiving group has an apparent uh, inability to, to get open against man coverage. And that was, was very, very apparent. 
on Friday night. We've talked about how how Will Howard tends to throw the ball into dangerous situations, and obviously that, that happened a few times on Friday night. Um, and so, so a lot of the issues that we've you know that, that we've highlighted over the course of the last month um, all showed up on Friday, and, and and unfortunately, it showed up against a team that had its backs against the wall to some degree. Um, and came out ready to fight, and, and and so unfortunately, all of our weaknesses were were very much on display uh, last last Friday in Stillwater. Well, let's let's stay stay on the receivers real quick. So they weren't getting separation. Uh, wasn't thrilled with some of the replays and some of the routes being ran either, and and some of the crispness of the routes. Do does K State have the talent at wide receiver to overcome this and get open in man coverage, or is it something where they're going to have to start get creative and scheming? guys to get open with how they they go about this absolutely i mean i think to that second point i think the answer is absolutely um do we have enough talent i don't know um i, I don't know all of this comes down to keegan johnson in in reality and, and i don't know if the coaches just did him a huge disservice this offseason with how they hyped him up again and again and again and made me think okay this guy is is going to be that first big time you know, number one weapon that we haven't had since maybe going back to Tyler, if not Byron. Um, I don't know if they did him a huge disservice in doing that or if or, or if we're right in hoping that that guy is going to show up. And so I think the answer to the question about talent depends on how Keegan Johnson answers the question of who is Keegan Johnson. Is Keegan Johnson the guy that coaches hyped him up to be? Or is Keegan Johnson the guy that we've seen through now five games who is going to play sporadically and is going to make a few plays here and there, but otherwise is going to leave us wanting more. And so I think the answer, again, depends on the answer to that question. Um, with what we have right now, I I, I think we do lack um, We have, you know, Jaden, RJ, Phil, all quality receivers, but none of them are game changers or game breakers. None of them have, you know, apparently separation ability um, in a large way. And, and so, you know, these are guys that are in some ways handicapped. Um, they are they are role type players. They're not guys meant to be number one receivers. And so without a number one guy, you know, then then a defense is going to put guys in the box. They're going to line up man to man and they're going to say, I'm going to dare you to get open and I'm going to dare your quarterback to make a throw in a tight co- into tight coverage. And so far, this the, this group hasn't shown an ability to do that. Um and so, obviously, you know, that's a huge concern and will be a concern moving forward. And I think we're probably going to talk about it. But in, but a larger concern for me, and I'm sure for you as well, is some of the lack of effort that we saw on Friday night or or just, you know, the, the lack of, of um, attention to detail that, that caused some really fatal mistakes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that definitely, Curry, when we come back from break here in just a minute. I, I do want to say the Keegan Johnson thing is, has been super strange from the onset of the season. Uh, and Coach Kleiman talked about in the press conference last week leading up to the game that it was the healthiest that he'd been in a while and then felt like he was going to be closer to 100%. And then in the first half, he's on the field for maybe four or five snaps. I I, I just kept looking. I was like, where is Keegan Johnson at? And he ended up playing, I think, the fourth most snaps out of the wide receivers on the team with 31. He played 52 against UCF. So he played 21 less snaps coming off a bye week. It's just... I, I do not know what's going on, but then when he is out there, like in the second half, okay, he's making a couple plays, um, looks fine, moving around. I, I don't know. It's it's all very strange and bizarre. 
But we'll get into the effort issue because it bothered me. I'm sure it bothered you being a former player and watching some of the things we saw um, when we come back from break. First, we got to tell you once again about our friends at Home Field Apparel. I'm actually rocking here a, a Home Field hoodie. Um, it's just super, super comfortable. I've been really eager to wear this actually just arrived last week, but it arrived just in time for the fall like weather to come. And uh, I got the windows open right now as we record and it's uh, it's the perfect hoodie. And this is just one of 40 K-State items that they have online right now at homefieldapparel.com. They've got several different hoodies. They got a sweet lavender bomber jacket that's really cool with the retro pennant willy with Emaw written out on the back of the jacket. John Kurtz actually owns one of those on 3MAW as well. Uh, tons of cool retro gear, super soft, super comfortable, as you've heard me say many times before. Jerome Tang rocks a lot of home field as well, and basketball season's getting ready as well. So Stock up for the tailgate, stock up for basketball season with home field gear, and we've got you covered as always with the discount code 3MALL23. Score 15% off your first-time order. Uh, go to homefieldapparel.com and enter that discount code when you check out and score 15% off. Again, 3MALL23. Check out homefieldapparel.com and support them as they support us. We're going to talk more K-State football when we come back from break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Curry. So let's let's get into the effort issues a little bit, and maybe before we even, because uh, there's some plays that really stood out, and I think everybody's probably seen them. But also, like you're a former receiver, like when you watch these guys, and I know you don't have the all twenty-two, you know, always, so you don't, you maybe don't have the full vantage point. Uh, but when you watch these guys run routes, does it bother you? Like, do you think that they're lazy in the way that they run some of the routes? It's not. I'm not saying it's always, but. Do you see things that stand out from a route running perspective that you think could be significantly better? Because you played with one of the best route runners ever in Tyler Lockett. Certainly. And I don't know that lazy is the right word, but I think, you know, there, there's certainly a lack of attention to detail there that, that, that strikes me. Um, you know, I, and, and maybe it's because I played for for Michael Smith and, and Andre Coleman, who were, you know, technicians as players and technicians or as coaches. But um, there's certainly a lot, there, there's certainly a lot to be desired with some of the route running that's happening out there. Um, you know, I think, I think Jaden Jackson has shown an ability to be a, a pretty strong route runner at times. Um, but, I, but I think there are some other instances where some other guys are out there and, and they're just, they're not running a division one type route and, a, you know, a power five type route. I mean, you know, 
Oklahoma State is not the best football team in, in the country, certainly not the best team in the Big 12, um, but they have capable football players, as we saw on Friday night. And, and with that, you have to be it, you have to be very, very technical with your route running to get open in man-to-man situations against good against good football players, guys who are in a lot of ways big-time recruits, um, and, and that's just not something that we're doing. And I know that there's been a lot of turnover, you know, in the receiver from the receiver coaches over the course of the last five years, and so I don't know if that's playing into it, but I, I can certainly tell you that from my playing days. Um, if, if we would have put on tape some of what's been, been put on tape over the course of the last five games, uh, our playing time would have been significantly impacted, um, if, if not completely changed altogether. And, and so that's that, there, there's certainly a lot of concern for me there because, you know, attention to detail, is, it, it, while it's something that, you know, you can flip a switch, it's something that's trained into your brain. And so if guys aren't doing it one time, they're not doing it a hundred times. And that's something that causes me a lot of concern. Well, we just talked about that they don't have the supreme athleticism at wide receiver. So all the more you need more attention to detail when you're running these routes to get open. I mean, it's one thing if you're just an elite athlete and you might be able to burn past somebody and use that skill and maybe not have to be as sharp in your route running. But when you got, when you got guys out there that are struggling to get open, that attention to detail is all the more important. I we mean, talked I'm, about. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a testament to that. I mean, I w- I was undersized and and under athletic and and found a way to get open. And and you know some of it had to deal with just football intelligence, but some of it had to, a lot of it had to deal with you know knowing how to run routes, knowing how to attack leverage, knowing how to get open. Um, and, and and I think I can I can you know sit here and say this, but if I if I found a way to catch eighty balls in in one season, you know sitting if you if you were sitting next to me looking at me, you laughed if you know not knowing me, you laughed thinking you didn't catch eighty footballs in the Big Twelve. Um, and 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 I'm not trying to sit here and hype myself up. What I'm saying is that if I was able to do it, those guys can do it. I can guarantee you. Um, you know RJ RJ and 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 Phil, in particular. Are, are, they, don't, they don't appear to be a lot different than me from a size and athleticism and speed perspective. Um, and so what it comes down to is, is, is being able to, you know, to be a good football player, to have good, in, you know, good football intelligence and to run good routes. And, and I have no doubt that those two can do it because we've seen them do it. Look, we know you're a humble, modest guy, Curry, but you had a top 10 receiving season in Kansas State football history over 1,000 yards in 2014 and, and put up terrific numbers. So it's a great point to put in perspective what we are saying that, in your opinion, K-State has guys that should be able to, at the very least, get open if they're sharp in the way they go about things and have that attention to detail. Is there anything in particular that stood out that, I mean, we talk about effort, is there something that maybe disappointed you the most that you saw? I'm not asking you to like single out a certain guy in particular, but from an effort issue, from something you saw on the offensive side of the football, some, is there something that bothered you the most when you watched that game unfold against Oklahoma State? Yeah, I mean, there were there were certainly uh, a number uh, of instances that that were concerning for me. I think, you know, one that sticks out, and and I, I you know, I just I, I'm going to name examples because there were a couple that were that were huge points in the game. But, um, you know, we we get down to I I can't remember if the, it was it was I believe it was first and goal after DJ got ran out of bounds at the two or three yard line or or no excuse me we were down there we were with we were inside the ten yard line Will Howard ran a zone read with Phil Brooks in motion. 
Um, Will pulled the ball and he and and could have walked into the end zone if Phil just got in the way of a guy. It appeared that Phil was under the impression that Will had handed the ball, and so he just stopped. And then the the safety who he was, you know, who who all he had to do was get in the way of, makes the play. I believe it was the very next play. Center snaps the ball over Will's head um, on fourth and eight, and 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 then you know that game gets flipped on its head to some degree, um, and so that was a huge, con- you know, that play was a huge concern for me. And I know that you're Phil Brooks, you're carrying out the fake, you know, you think the ball's been handed off, but the problem is you thought the ball was handed off. And if you had just simply stayed in the play as you're taught to do and gotten away of that safety, Will walks into the end zone and that game may have a different outcome. So that one was a huge, that one was hugely concerning for me. Um, another one is, is the, is the pick six that Will threw, uh, I think, you know, this could probably is probably up for debate, but I don't put that pick on Will at all. Um, that is a scenario where, you know, we're rightfully trying to drive the ball at the end of the half to cut into the deficit or, you know, yeah, to cut into the deficit. Um, and I can't remember what the down and distance was there, but we had somewhere in the range of eight yards to go, I believe. Um, and, and so Will or Phil runs what when what appears to be an out with maybe a potential to convert it to an up, out and up. Um, he runs the out route. The defensive back is way over the top of the out route. He's sitting basically at the sticks, right at you know, right at the boundary at the first down yardage. All Will had to do was throwing the ball in the out route. He converts. We move the sticks, and then we probably go down and you know we may go down and get some points on the board. But instead, with the defensive back being way over the top. He converts it, and and Will throws the out route and goes the other way for six. And so that that isn't necessarily a a um, you know that wouldn't be characterized as a low, but that would probably be characterized as a missed assignment if I had to guess. And and that's not something you'd expect from a sixth year receiver who's playing with a fourth year quarterback. Um, and so that was that was something that really you know that really frustrated me on Friday night. Um, you know, make the right play. We don't give up six points there. We don't go into the half down, you know, down big. We we may cut into the deficit even more. I think that was, you know, those two plays may have been the two, you know, single biggest plays in the game on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think Curry frustrating things are it's six year senior at receiver, and you got a six year center and Hayden Gillum that's snapping the ball when Will Howard's making a check. And I know it's on the road, but you know, these guys have been through this before, and that's a mistake that cannot happen as well um all disappointed so you thought phil should have broken that into just a simple out route right and not yeah. went up field yeah my guess is that is that you know a lot of routes have a lot of routes there's a prime the route has a, a primary call so a lot so i'm my guess is the primary route there was an out and if the and if the dv was playing tight then he had the opportunity to convert it to an out and up. So a lot of times a guy's running a comeback, the comeback has, you know, if, if you get over the top of the DB, you put your hand up and you go. Um, so just based on where Will threw the ball, the coverage and, and the way that Phil ran the route. Um, yes. My, my thought is that, that the primary route was an out and, and Phil had the, the option to convert it if the circumstances were right. And in my view, the circumstances weren't right. Um, and I guess, you know, Regardless of what of whether there was an option on the route, the way that the route ran was was also a, a huge you know a huge problem for me. Phil comes in motion across the set, um, and, and then you know again circumstances are very important. 
defensive back is playing way off instead of attacking his leverage and breaking it off to the out route, which is going to get him to bite if you do want to run the, run the, you know, run, convert it into the out and up or get you wide open on the boundary. He just kind of ran a banana route, you know, just kind of slowly jogged into the out and slowly jogged into the up and, and no, no good defensive back in the big 12 in big 12 history would bite on that. Um, and so that, you know, that was also a huge problem for me. And again, I just think you don't expect that. You don't want to see that from your guys who have been around in the program for six years. So that's that's the route that bothered me the most, Curry. So when I talked about lazy routes, like him just bananing that route, that bothered the heck out of me because like I couldn't tell what the route was technically supposed to be because it was just a like kind of just three quarter speed, you know, didn't round it sharp, didn't make sharp cut. It's just it just bothered me. Uh, I, you know, look, Phil Brooks leads the team in receiving. He's a veteran guy, and I think he would probably tell you that he's got to do a better job as well. So I, all, all these guys, look, the the last interception that Will Howard had, Christian Duffy completely misses a block. Um, you know, look, Will's going to tell you too. Like, he he can't be still throwing. Like, the the out ball, like, that, the pass to Brooks or pick six, that very well not Will Howard's fault. But the first interception, he's throwing a deep safety high right over the top. Cannot make that read, even if somebody ran a wrong route, which we think somebody might have ran a wrong route based on what we've been told. But still cannot make that read there. And then he's just got to throw the ball away and go to fourth down on that one where the tackle just completely misses the block. Christian Duffy didn't get a finger on a guy and, and Will had a guy in his face. It's easier said than done, but just a, an all-around frustrating performance. I, there was a lot of, there's been a lot of sound and uh, social media noise about Avery Johnson, Curry. And I, I'm just curious from your perspective, we just talked about like some of this isn't necessarily Will's fault, although Will will tell you he's got to play far better as well. What, what do you do at quarterback now moving forward? Do you have a shorter leash on Will Howard? Do you just mix Avery more into the fold, but still keep Will as your starting guy? I'm curious for your thoughts because that's been a, a loud talking point this last uh, several days since that Oklahoma State game. Yeah, certainly. And, and I'll say this. I still have a lot of faith in Will. Uh, you know, Will's shown us and, and showed us last year that he can, you know, he can win big ball games. Uh, and so I think he's still your guy. I will say, as we talked about earlier, uh, we, we seem to have a little bit of, of a talent deficit on the offensive side of the ball. And, and, you know, who is one of the most talented people on our team? Avery Johnson, unquestionably. One of the most athletic, most talented pe- you know, players on the team. And so I think you have to find ways to in- incorporate him into the offense. Uh, we saw at Mizzou where, you know, in, in some ways we struggled to move the football. In particular, they struggled to run the football. And Avery came in, um, and I believe he had six snaps and, 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 and you know, averaged six yards a carry. Um, showed an ability to, you know, to, to move the football, um, in a game that was other, you know, where our run game was otherwise getting bottled up. And so I think, um, you, you, you ride with Will, Will's your guy, but you have to find ways to get Avery into the game plan. He's way too talented to be sitting on, to be sitting over on the sidelines and he can help us win football games right now. I'd like to think the thought of his explosiveness with his legs will potentially help open up the receivers as well, because the threat of running Treshawn Ward, DJ Giddens, and then also having the threat of Avery and the big play explosiveness will help maybe keep defenses a little more honest with what they have to respect and giving up the big play there. Because I thought Oklahoma State's defense 
there it, it was a strange way they were defending Kansas State Curry. There were several times like I guess it was in like a third and four, third and five, and I noticed like they had four guys in the box. Like they had a three man down front. They just had a backer in there, and I was like, just run the ball. And there was one play that really bothered me because it was a third and four, and I think K State ran an end around yeah. jet sweep. Jet they sweep. ran a jet yeah. to Philip Brooks, and mm-hmm. they could have just they should have just ran it up the middle. They ran it to where they were outnumbered. Yeah, so you saw that play, okay? Yeah. So so we had ran, we had ran that or we'd run that end around on third and long earlier in the game, and still got the first down. And so I think they went back to it again under similar circumstances. But of course, Oklahoma State adjusted, and then we went back to that same motion again later. And Will pulled the ball and and ran, you know, for for a good chunk play. So yeah, I was also frustrated by that. They did they did give us some opportunities, um, but you know, obviously the, the, hindsight's twenty twenty to some degree. I will say, you know, Avery could do a lot for us. I think I think he could help us. And and based on what we've seen at the receiver position um, and our inability to to make explosive plays. I would be totally okay seeing some Trace Spivey and some Jace Brown um, add some length and athleticism and some speed out there and, and see what those cats can do. Yeah. I think a lot of fans would be eager to see some of those young guys that are hungry and get them out there and see what they can do to your point. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought K-State, you know, at the end of the day, 21 of their 35 rushing plays, designed running plays, went for four yards or more. So 60% of their designed running plays go for four yards or more on the ground. You take away that 19-yard team loss on the errant snap, and they average six and a half yards per carry, 239 yards on on 37 rushes in total. But 24 of their 34 passes gained three yards or less. That's including incompletion. So just a real lack of explosiveness in the passing game. We'll, we'll end on a couple more here, Curry. Any issues with some of the coaching decisions in terms of going for the fourth and eight, not kicking the field goal down 23 to seven? maybe going for fourth and three inside your your 25 there that DJ Giddens was open and, and Will probably just fired that a little bit too hard for him. But did you take any issues with Coach Cliven's aggressiveness and think maybe he he panicked a little bit as the, in the game flow or do, do you support his aggressiveness in those situations? Sir, you know, certainly. I, I, I like being aggressive, but I thought I, I thought that aggressiveness turned to panic or, or the, you know, it was it was aggressiveness or panic in the face of aggressiveness um, was what it was on, on Friday night. I, I, you know, once we got into Ford, that fourth and eight situation down 16, I thought, kick the football, put the points on the board. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't hugely, you know, huge. I wasn't crazy about that. Was not crazy about going for it fourth and three inside our own 30. Obviously that turned around to them putting points right back up on the board. Um, I know there's, I, I think there's a, a, a more legitimate debate around going for two. Yeah. But under the circumstances, with us having been down, clawed back, um, I, I thought it. I thought it took a little bit of momentum away from us. I thought it gave them some of the momentum back. Uh, when you when you have fought back and got you know got it within eight, I don't love the idea of putting your team in that situation where they know, okay, we got to go score again, and once we do score, we got to go convert it. You know, we got to go convert two just to send this thing to overtime. So I even before we didn't convert. Although we should have, um, I wasn't a fan of that call as well, and so I, I do think we were maybe a little bit too aggressive. Yeah. So on the the two point conversion, my my thought process was also like the offense had been struggling all night; it had been a grind, and you finally are getting some momentum on your side. Just kick the extra point, 
and don't derail that momentum. I can see an argument though for going for two. We talked about it on the post game show. Like they went for two earlier, they got it. They didn't get this one, so fans are a little more upset because it didn't end up working. Um, and I, I at at the time, I was not a fan of it. I I, I backed Same. off of that a little bit. I, I I backed off a little. I'm like, oh, you know, I can go either way, but I, I still probably would have leaned toward just kicking the extra point, cutting it to seven, and keeping the momentum and the game pressure on on Oklahoma State. So yeah, uh, and and then if you get to if you get to you know if you if you ha- if you cut it to seven. And you go down and you score that touchdown to get within one, then then think about it. You know, then think about, hey, do we go for two and try to win this thing and steal this game on the road? Um, but I, I thought it I thought it gave them some of the momentum back that we had otherwise, you know, that we had otherwise gained. I know the Green Bay Packers did it a few weeks ago when they when they came back from a big deficit against the Saints and it worked out in their favor. Um, I'm sure there's a million arguments on both sides, but I just thought that that we had fought too hard to, to take points off the board. And we took that point off the board. We took points off the board when we went for it on fourth and eight and fumbled um, or had a bad snap. Um, and, 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 you know, other instances where we arguably took points off the board. And so I, I just, I thought we left a lot of points on the board Saturday night and that, or Friday night. And that was something that, that frustrated me when the clock hit zero. Well, you, you start adding it up, Curry, and you're talking about, you give them three points because you go for the fourth and three, you don't get it. They get three out of that. You don't kick the field goal. You end up turning it over on downs. So that's six points. You go for two and you don't get that. So you're talking about a lot of points being left or being given away to Oklahoma State in what was a one-possession game at the end of the day. Unfortunately, it, you know, I think we all agree, probably shouldn't have came down to a one-possession game if K-State plays crisp, sharp football. Uh, it probably doesn't come down to it. So let's end on this. K-State plays at Texas Tech on Saturday in Lubbock. Just what is the significance of this game to Kansas State's season? Is this a must-win type game for Kansas State? It's hard. Um, I think <laughs> so. Just I think so just to keep, you know, because if you look at our schedule, our schedule sets up nicely after this weekend. I mean, you come home to two teams who are struggling, um, and then obviously big one in Texas, and then, and then you finish out with Baylor and Iowa State at home and a tough one against KU on the road. But the schedule sets up nicely after this one. Um, but if you lose, you fall to three and three. Uh, I think you lose the fan base a little bit. Um, and so I think for in a lot of ways, this this is a really, really important football game. Well, hopefully Kansas State can get things done in Lubbock. It's, it's a huge game for both teams. Texas Tech's feeling good about themselves after winning the last couple and getting off the 2-1 and one start in league play. Everything's back on the table for the Red Raiders. They've kind of recalibrated and reset. It's a night kick. Unfortunately, another blackout. It's becoming a thing when Kansas State comes to town, so it's not going to be easy by any means. But if Kansas State can win this game, I had K-State losing a Tech to start the season in the preseason projections. I had them going 2-0 and o to start and then losing a Tech. You can kind of look at it as if you win this game, you kind of are where I thought they'd be sans the Missouri loss. I just didn't think it was be. I thought it'd be flip-flop. I thought they'd win against Oklahoma State and lose to Tech. So huge game. Hopefully Kansas State comes down there. We really want to see an inspired and a really inspired performance and just some sharp football. And hopefully the Cats get after it and come back to Manhattan with a, a little two-game homestand and a chance to get to 6-2 and two overall if they're able to win against Tech and then win the next couple at home. So... As always, thanks again to Curry Sexton for doing this on the Three Maw Bonus Pod. Uh, thank you again for listening to 
This episode for Curry Sexton, for Nick Springer behind the scenes producing this show, I'm Cole Manbeck. Thank you for listening to another episode of Three Mall. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.